There we go. Okay. Sick. That was really stressful. Not as stressful as listening to us fucking clap for time. Oh, <laughs> oh that was the, the only best. one. The only one stressed was you, and it's because you couldn't do it. <laughs> and the listening audience. <laughs> I, I can tell you. Maybe no, having it, it a rules. small mouth somehow prevents me from clapping properly. Really? Like yeah, that's that what has it is. something to do with it? Yeah, it throws off the sonar system if your mouth yes, is small. Exactly. It's not, yeah. Your mouth isn't as cavernous enough to get the right echoes. It's destructive uh, destructive wavelengths instead of constructive. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> I will never, ever, ever forget when you guys were describing if Brian was a destiny gun. <laughs> when he would be. <laughs> what was it? What was the name? It was... I don't like, remember. Like Wishmaker or something? I, sh- I should ask Megan because Megan actually finally started <laughs> listening to our podcast after seven years. And she's currently on like episode nine or ten. Like she, she literally started, started all wow. the way at the beginning and is listening to them. And it's, I know uh, she's just waiting for moments where I talk about her specifically. Yeah, so but she, she can get mad at you. She did. She did come. She did call me randomly in the middle of the day and was like, "Did um does does the tower in Destiny have anything to do with that tower in Westworld?" And I'm like, "No, they have nothing to do with each other." Like, <laughs> not that uh, we know of. Shit, I peaked. It's fine. Yeah, that's awesome. In the 1800s, maybe. <laughs> if your audio's that bad, I'll just use the roadcaster audio. You know. Well, maybe I'll peak again since I'm apparently going through puberty a second time. Uh, yeah, in the, in the tricentennial. Man, I wish I could remember what the name of the gun was. It was so good. Just have to re re listen to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I have to go deep into the archives yeah. to find that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of episodes you're going to have to wade through before you find which episode we talked about it, Destiny. It must have been a des- some large Destiny 2 <laughs> thing, the, discussion. The, the first, like, three years of the podcast <laughs> yeah, were basically all Destiny-related, so... Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. 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 Good. Good. All right. Well, I'm messing with sound settings. I'm sure I just ruined literally everything. No. Let's record an Andor-related podcast. Let's do that. I didn't make a jingle. Were you going to? Andor. No, yeah. I'm just joking. Let's see. Let's run through the. Now you have to. No. <laughs> just have it. Have it be B B two emo going k- 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 Cassian. 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 We we need B two emo uh, rapping. He's like that is amazing. He's my favorite droid. All of all time. He's Be- great. His name is B2 Emo, for one. And like I said, he has a stutter. It's a droid with a stutter. Mm-hmm. So good. So so the theme, the jingle that Alex has to come up with now has to somehow incorporate Cassian or Andor, and it needs to be an emo parody. Or like a, <laughs> a Noteworthy yeah. Emo song. Hawthorne Heights. I don't know. Please, that. please not know Hawthorne Heights. Do like yeah, uh, it's okay. Do do uh like uh fuck. What's that band? What's the one that Cat really likes? You remember Erica? Mm. Oh, I can't. I can't remember. The Black Parade. That band. What's their name? My Chemical oh, Romance. Yeah. There you uh, go. It'd be, it'd be like a like a My Chemical Romance cover. Uh, that talks about Andor. Okay. I can't even think of any. I, I I can't name any emo bands other than My Chemical Romance. <laughs> would you? So I guess AFI more. is kind of an emo band, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they were like, like I, they were like punk, like punk emo. Yeah, they were I more punk AFI before, and then they became more emo as it got more popular. Mm-hmm. But I think their imagery is what really made them stand out in the emo crowd because everybody loved the way Davey Havoc looked, and his name was, was like Davey goth. Havoc. Yeah. yeah, he also was very androgynous. Yes. Yeah. He used to climb on the crowd when they played live. It was pretty cool. Yeah, really oh, man, I bet they were great live. They were really good live. Alex, remember on the way to see Morbius when we were wishing that Davey Havoc had played Morbius instead of Jared Leto? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How much better that would have been? I'm still wishing been, that. That would have been awesome. <laughs> was 30 Seconds yeah. to Mars an emo band? Yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, mm, nah. it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a shit band. 
They were oh, horrible. Yeah. I've seen I, them I live. I feel like we should specify that we're talking about like 2000s and like aughts emo, which is like a very particular brand of emo, because if we're going to get like really into emo, like we're not even touching. Yeah, like, yeah we got to go to like the Get Up Kids. We'll, we'll, yeah. Even, even further back than that. Like, yeah, Jimmy Eat World, like the old Jimmy oh, Eat World Jimmy stuff yeah, and like good. the Before Sunny Day Real Estate stuff. Yeah. And like... That band that Andy and I were talking about in our brother chat, call it in the air, that was from Detroit area, and now one of the guys is in Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. or whatever. Like, that band, like, early 90s and, like, prior, Mineral, Appleseed Cast, uh, I mean, mean, there's, there's, there's... a bunch of them, but I can't name them all. Cursive, I think, originally was yeah. kind of in that. They just they yeah. just toured. Yeah, they did, it was like a reunion Cursive. tour, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I bet it was insane. I I saw well, some snippets from it on someone's Instagram, I think, and they said it was amazing. They're like insane. I'll, I'll bet it was uh, way more uh, curvy than printing. Yeah, pretty much. Wait, we're talking about bands. Anyways. <clears throat> <laughs> so so emo like my my Derek Hess book bookmark. Okay, that's so sweet. You should. See There's the- so much original art I want to buy. Like <laughs> I've had my eye on so many different artists that I really love. And when you posted when you shared that, John, I was like really it's, motivated to pick something up. It's um, the most expensive thing I own now because I valued it ooh. more. Like I mean, it is. I paid a lot of money for the thing and the frame combined, but its value is like three, four times more than that your house, as far as I'm concerned. But I do have, I have another Derek Hess over there. You can't really see nice. it. I don't know. I if see I have... a 3D printer. Where is it? That and, one. Uh, nice. That's a Derek Hess. It's called Suicide Note. It's a skull with an eight, like an eighth note tail on it, and it's screen printed on like a uh, a a vinyl jacket, like a record jacket. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. It's pretty cool. Oh. And the clutter's making me anxious. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. It's pretty Yeah, Brian, Brian and Erica, your room looks so neat and structured from here. We don't we don't know how to live any other way. This is my they're, they're office. Not, they're not but our old house is like this. <laughs> this is why we can't have children. There's we there's not a like plethora of three D printers and three D printer products. You would just have very neat, orderly children, I bet. No. <laughs> I, mean, I guess you never know. We would just lose our minds. The children would be like from THX 1138. Speaking of Andor. Andor. This is Hey-o. a side quest, Alex. This is what I it's know. all about. Well, we were in like a side quest to the side quest. This is like a <laughs> yeah. sub side quest Agreed. that we were yeah. trying to we're, we're hitting the, pull us. Yeah. The deepest, the deepest quest. side quest. Yeah. Yeah. Andor. It's a branching um, side quest. Disney Plus. Uh, it was a fetch quest. No, what was the? It's like the. No, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Prequel series to Rogue One, uh, r- r- created by, written by Tony Gilroy and and many other talented writers. Directed by several talented directors. Tony's home. Uh, and uh, yes, this is kind of a prologue to Rogue One. About Cassian Andor, one of the characters of Rogue One, who was a rebel general, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think notably different than a lot of the Star Wars fare that we have been getting and are currently getting and will be getting in the future. So I'm curious to know what everybody thinks. I think we should uh, open up spoilers from the get go. Uh, I probably speak for everyone when I say just go watch the show. And yes. come back and listen to our discussion because we can all wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, but yes, Andor. Uh, I'll start off by saying I personally I liked Rogue One quite a bit when it came out. I enjoyed it in the theater. Hadn't really watched it since, and I'm like halfway through a rewatch now. I did not care at all for a TV show about Cassie and Andor. <clears throat> As nice and cool as the character was in Rogue One, I was like, who cares about this? And then it was getting rapturous reviews uh, when the first three episodes dropped. And um, I decided to check it out. And uh, I'll just say that, like, while Andor is cool in the show and his story is compelling and interesting, I think the birth of the Rebellion being kind of the larger looming subject is what i'm most interested in and uh and it's interesting because i feel like 
if they would have figured out a way to title the show something about the rebellion instead, maybe it would be a little bit expectations might have been a little bit different. I don't know. But anyway, um, I, I enjoyed the show a lot and, and the rebellion, the birth of rebellion was the very, the most interesting part for me. Um, let's throw it to, to Brian and Erica. Uh, what did you, what, what hooked you about Andor and, uh, and was it something you were looking forward to before it hit Disney plus? He, he was super excited about it. I don't always watch the star Wars shows with him, but I wanted to watch it because from what I think you had read, it seemed a little bit more character driven. Yeah. I think it's honestly one of the finest TV shows that's been produced in the last five years. That's my opinion. I can agree with that as well. It, uh, yeah, it exceeded my expectations for sure. Honestly, I was kind of in the same boat as you, Alex, where I didn't really care that much to see a TV series made about Andor specifically. It's just the other Star Wars shows that have come out so far have been good enough to where I want to see any other Star Wars show that comes out, live action Star Wars for sure. And uh, so then I saw the trailer drop and it looked like it was going to be way more this story-wise way more complex than I expected. And um, I was curious to see where it was going and who all these players were going to be that were involved and uh, what kind of silly parts Forrest Whitaker would have in all of this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, I already knew what character he was, but yeah. How crazy um, was he going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Very. He's unhinged. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, uh, then it came out and I've, it like, it definitely, it, it's slow to ramp up, but like, I really feel like other than, I mean, there's a bit of a lull in the beginning of each, like Art. kind of every three episodes, but then yeah. it just builds from there. It's, it's, it's nice to see it in that kind of structure. It was almost like a four act structure. Yeah. So that's true. Um, were were you guys cool. following along week to week? Oh yeah. America? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. And then I think John and Nick, you both kind of shotgunned most of it. Right? I, I watched all of it in like a week, basically. Okay. I kind of watched it in three big parts or three okay. uneven parts. Yeah. I think that's one of the interesting things about the show is the fact that like you've got three episodes, three episodes, and then like a pivot. And then three more episodes and then two more episodes. And like that kind of mini arc thing, I at first was going to be like, I'm just going to wait for the full arcs to come out and watch them like that. But then I got so hooked by the end of Mm -hmm. arc two that I was like, fuck it. I need to just watch it as it comes because this shit is just too good. I I really wish I had. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was like it, it gave us something to look forward to in the middle of the week. Yeah. Wednesdays. Yeah. Normally it's just like, okay, cool. It's, it's yeah. fucking Wednesday. It's not Friday yet. But we had Andor every week, and now yeah. we have nothing again. <laughs> now you have to Life wait like garbage. probably 18 months, if not longer, to see more Andor. <laughs> Pretty much. It's it's very sad. Very sad. Well, uh, Nick. Four months away from Mandalorian, but. Yeah. You know. Well, but Blech. it's a different. That's the, th- <laughs> 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 that's the thing. To me, Mandalorian is like the. the um, it's absolutely a different show. It's that monster it's the of the week formula. Corn. Like, yeah. yeah. I, but but f- Andor, Andor's like the, uh, Andor's the steak. It's the filet. To, menu. It's the prime rib. Not to Bogart uh, uh, Nick's moment here, but I, I posted online <laughs> that it's the best show, the best Star Wars show. And uh, somebody was like, you wouldn't have it without Mandalorian. And I'm like, well, no shit. Like, so nobody what? fucking cared about it. Like, like any of this stuff <laughs> until we did, until there was Mandalorian. Like, mm-hmm. Baby Yoda created this you know without grogu we wouldn't have any of this probably so <laughs> probably not yeah without all those plush toys being but that sold. doesn't right? negate the fact that this is the best star wars show period so anyways it, it might not be the best one ever there might be one that 
tops it at some point. But <clears throat> so maybe, far, so maybe, far, maybe Andor season two tops three. it. I don't know. Hopefully, it does. I'm waiting for um, Perrin Mothma and his origins <laughs> as a as a slimy, piece of shit, slimy house <laughs> husband. <laughs> oh, yeah. Arm arm candy to the. Oh, that guy? Yeah. The yeah. fucking yeah. worst. He yeah, sucks. that Steve Carell looking Jedi fuck. <laughs> like... <laughs> Don't bad yeah, about that's Steve the, Carell. That's the other yeah. incredible thing is that like Mon Mothma is a, a kid. Like if you pull Mon Mothma out of like, <clears throat> I don't know, A New Hope and you're like, we're going to make a show that's kind of about her. People be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why would, who who's going to watch that? But yet I was like, I'm in to all of this. I want it all. Uh, Alex, she's actually not in A New Hope. She doesn't appear until Return of the Jedi. I'm oh, sorry. So, uh, I'm sorry. So uh, my my nerd cred is out out the window. It's um, okay. You're a Star Trek guy at heart. <laughs> so what, what well, you're saying is we need like a we need like a West Wing show of Mon Mothma. Like, oh my god. <laughs> That'd yes. be great. Yeah, by I mean, Aaron Sorkin. Get, I feel like you <laughs> yeah. get kind of glimpses of that, but no, yeah, get uh, get Jimmy Smits in the room, get Mon Mothma. Yeah, like we can, Dude. we can absolutely. That'd be cool. Even, even like uh, if Natalie Portman ever wanted to come back to do Star Wars, and she wanted to do some of that stuff that was like leading up to Palpatine taking over, I'd be that would be that. that'd be cool. Um, Anyways, no, Nick, I think yeah, Nick. How, how did you find yourself liking Andor, and uh, and and was it was it a show that you wanted, and and how did you feel about it in the end? Uh, yes, I loved it. I think it's the best Star Wars show. I think it's probably the best Disney Plus show. Um, I was actually really looking forward to the, when when they revealed the slate of like the upcoming Star Wars stuff. I hit the snooze button on pretty much everything related to Jedi, but then they said this, and I was like, oh, because. All the espionage stuff, all mm-hmm. the all the behind the scenes stuff is I obviously super compelling. And the idea of taking like a which was in my mind when I heard what it was gonna be, I was like, Oh cool, if they do like a Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy kind of thing in Star Wars, like all the trade craft and the spy stuff and the espionage and the sabotage, I was like, That's that's what I'm into. Like give me more of that. And I thought Andor was a really cool character in Rogue One because he is like kind of a bad dude. Like he does a lot of bad guy things and makes a lot of tough decisions and he's not a bad person, I guess, but he has to make the hard choices. And I remember seeing Rogue One in the theater with Gojo and being excited for it, knowing what it was all about. And then thinking the idea that they could take a little throwaway kind of line from uh star Wars to be like, Oh, someone got us these battle plans and we can now blow up this, uh, Death Star thing, turning that into a whole movie, I thought was a really cool idea. And uh, when Cassian first shows up in the movie, and he meets up with one of his like informants in that back alley, and they're mm-hmm. talking, and then he's like, "Oh, cool," and then he just kills the guy because he yeah. like can't have a witness, and then just leaves him there. I was like, and I remember Gojo and I looked at each other, we were like, "Oh shit, that <laughs> you were just like, got this real. movie is taking itself pretty seriously right now." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for a, a, a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Like yeah. a kid, an, a kid's franchise, right? And I was like, "Wow, this is really cool." And then the whole rest of the movie happens, and not only does he continue to do, you know, questionable things and has a rocky kind of hero's journey. By the end, he's kind of redeemed, but then he dies. Like he, mm-hmm. how many leading characters in Star Wars movies die? Right. Let alone the entire cast getting wiped out. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so Rogue One was super compelling for that. Not not in just like a shock factor way, but it like it's done really really well. And it makes you care. You get invested in all these characters over the course of one movie, and then they're gone, and you kind of you kind of are bummed out about that. So getting to see him come back, I was excited because I said there's a lot of room to grow with this character. Still, I didn't know. I didn't realize that it was going to be like kind of the birth of the rebellion. I kind of thought the rebellion was already going to be trucking along, and he would kind of get pulled into it. But I didn't realize quite how far outside of it he would be at the start. Mm-hmm. But I think, man, I think probably every creative decision they made in the show is the right one. I can't think of anything really that I would change off the top of my head. It's just like, it's so good. Even down to, like you said, Alex, the, the three episode kind of arcs, uh, 
it's just it's phenomenal so yeah what's really beautiful about that is that for a show like this the arcs not only like is it just the subject matter from these three episodes carries over but it's the same director and writer pairing for those three episodes so it is literally like you get like a three episode movie out of Mm -hmm. the same creative team uh you know every three weeks or whatever and i think like i think that's just it was really nice and refreshing and cool. You know, it's interesting when they get everybody, like one person to come and do all of a show. And I think that's interesting too. But the idea that like, number one, these arcs all kind of stand on their own and they all fit together into this cohesive season is really kind of beautiful too. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I think creatively very interesting and compelling and cool decisions were made of the show. So, I think it was really um, smart too to to release the first three kind of together, mm-hmm. because I I mean oof, I think as as great as it is, there were still people saying, "Yeah, I watched the first couple and were kind of struggling with the pace, or I couldn't get into it." Um, I was hooked from the first episode, but I kind of thought, "Man, how can you get through these first three and not really really want to see where this goes?" You know what I mean? Yeah, just I that, mean it- the finale of that third episode is just just killer. It took me that arc to kind of be like, okay, because I was really like, I like Cassian, but I was just kind of like, I don't really need a show. It was just like, I don't need, I don't need Han Solo's backstory in a Han Solo movie. I just like, it, it exists. Cool. It's good. But like, I don't know. I was just like, I don't know if I'm into this. And then I watched that first arc and I'm like, okay, I see Stellan Skarsgård step off of the Fondor and I'm like, all right, I'm in. Please. But it was so refreshing too, because it looks, I think it looks and feels the best of all the Star Wars shows. The production yeah. is so good. It's just screaming. And, I mean, the wardrobe, the settings, the bricks, the screws. Have you guys heard about the bricks and screws thing? No. Mm-mm. Oh, man. <laughs> well, fuck me for making that reference then. Uh, some <laughs> guy... You have to explain uh, it. Some guy, some noteworthy... Oh, it's so embarrassing to be like a noteworthy Star Wars guy, but some noteworthy Star Wars guy online complained <laughs> about Andor because he said it... Uh, the fact that so many structures were made of like bricks and screws, uh, it took him out of it because it shouldn't. It should be more futuristic than that, <laughs> and uh, everything should be smooth and like sandstone. I, the whole thing was absurd. I saw it on Twitter, like the day after that, whatever episode it was. It was one of the final episodes. Air, one of the ones back on. Um, I forgot the name of the planet. Yeah, Ferrix, and all these people being like, "What?" <laughs> Like that there's, guy used to be banned I, on Twitter. I bet, like that's right? that's the kind of shit where like that that guy <laughs> that guy that guy like like those those people those types of people are the types of people that like aren't actually like watching it and paying attention to what's going on. They're only looking at like the nuanced bullshit that nobody fucking cares about. But like we're all happy is there because it just like adds like as from from like somebody who's actually paying attention to the story and everything. Those elements make you more engrossed in the story, but those people are the ones that are nitpicking at the little bullshit that has nothing to do with anything. And, like, they just... That's just who they are. They're just terrible people. And it's ridiculous, because Star Wars has... Part of the appeal to me about the whole Star Wars aesthetic is that it has always felt like a very lived-in universe. Everything's a little bit dirty. Everything feels a little bit vintagey, a little rough, mm-hmm. and there's bricks and screws all over the place, and it it, it it snowballed into this thing. And like uh, several of the official like Star Wars twitters and stuff started like sharing images of like buildings from the original trilogy that were clearly made of bricks <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was, Yavin four, the structure on Yavin four wasn't made out of brick or whatever the fuck. right the like, temple yeah. the big giant yeah. temple yeah exactly and it, it was just funny because a lot of people started using it as further evidence of how good the show is They're like this is the thing this guy has to complain about because everything else is perfect and <laughs> yes but I think this is one of the people that's like a Mandalorian fanboy and like the Mandalorian can do no wrong and everything else has to be taken down a peg I think and I it think just, that it's guy- exhausting. The first mod that guy installs in Skyrim is the clean faces mod, I think, probably. So probably. Hot, hot girl mod. Hot clean girl faces. Mod, yeah. 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 <laughs> Stupid. I, yeah. I will say, like, maybe ten minutes into the first episode, <clears throat> Brian and I were like, this looks fucking amazing. Like, it we does. felt like we were in Blade Runner or The Fifth Element. Totally. It was, like, visually... Like, we were hooked. 
Even if the show had sucked, I probably would have watched it just for <laughs> the sets alone and the music. If anything, oh. yeah, like all the the bullshit you you guys are talking about, like it was that that helped suck us in even more. Yeah. I mean, not the bricks and the screws, but the other yeah. bullshit. I mean, um, the only the only bit of that bullshit that I understand are the people that said it it didn't feel Star Wars enough from the standpoint of like there weren't enough creatures and things because there really weren't a ton of creatures yeah. and there weren't a ton of droids. And I think they just spent their budget putting it in really great settings. Like some of those set piece shots are fucking epic. Like they did a really great job with that. And they clearly yeah. put their money where it needed to be put because everybody complained about how fucking Book of Boba Fett looked and, you know, they, like, <laughs> they're just like, oh, it was filmed in a bubble or whatever the fuck. Like, who cares? Like, I didn't give a shit about any of that. It didn't bother me. I, I, liked, I liked it anyways, minus the mod good. squad, but... I, mean. I think there's just there's something that is to be said about the practical sets and th- things that yeah. Tony Gore... Like, they mm-hmm. built Ferrex. They built that... Like, they built several city blocks worth of set for Ferrex and it, God, it, it rules, shows. man. It feels that prison complex. They built that shit too. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and like all of the monsters and things that they had, the creatures were practical effects, you know, yeah. like yeah. that, that planet where, uh, where Cassian and his, and his prison buddy got captured yeah. or that, right. that section. Yeah. When they were, uh, when they broke out of prison, those two creatures, those dudes are some... rule. They were awesome. <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah. That's, right. it, that's it yeah, is... the aliens and the droids that you do get in the show are fucking are great. Quality. They're yeah. awesome. B2 emo. My favorite droid. B2 emo. The best. His name is B2 emo. He's too emo. He just, he, and he has a stutter and it's the best thing ever. So I just have Cassian to has Cassian rolls with the best droids. Cause K2SO is yeah, amazing. K- oh my. And that's the thing is I rewatched rogue one promptly after finishing uh, uh andor because i ha- i was like i gotta i gotta just i need to refresh myself on this and man like there's so the the connective tissue is all there man like that prison buddy shows up in uh in rogue Melchie. one yeah, yeah Melchie. Melchie's really? there. yeah he's there he's oh. he's like the squad leader at the end of the movie who's wow. who has to go in and pull the switch to open the gate so they can oh. transmit the data like and it's the same actor Playing I have the same role. That's great right cool. now. So we'll probably see him next season then. And yeah. K2SO yeah. yeah. played played by Alan Tudyk and is the is the funniest fucking droid. Like he's as oh, good yeah. as Tars from from uh, Interstellar. Oh, yeah. Like and oh, his my design God. Is, is incredible. Yeah. So those, funny. Those detention droids or whatever they call them when they first rolled up in Rogue One, I was like, whoa! Like this is yeah. sick. Even and when then when they showed up in Andor, in, it was cool. Yeah, when they're in Space Miami, they're, they're still very imposing. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And then I, it's not until you hear Alan Tudyk's voice that you're kind of like, oh, this guy might be funny. It's like, yeah, I, I, I like Where's the, Where's Pitbull calling out those coordinates, man? <laughs> oh, that'd be so great. Space Pitbull. There's a chance, man. Mr. 305060785-4321. It's like 20 numbers he's got to list off, and it's... Oh, you're onto man. something here, I think. I think you're onto something. <laughs> Baseball. There was a thing um, too um, when you said connective tissue. I I I am going to rewatch Rogue One now that this now that it's over. I I was so yeah. into Andor that I wanted to watch it in mid season, but then I was like, I got I should wait till it's over. Um, but somebody uh, shared an image of Cassian. I think when they're on. Oh man, I'm so bad with planet names. Uh, what the desert planet that they're on that. Uh, the Death Star gets tested out on in Rogue One. Oh, I can't remember. Where uh, Saw Jedha? Yeah, yeah Jedha. Yeah. Is Jedha yeah. the city or the planet? Jedha is, doesn't Jedha's matter. the city. Uh, Might be both. I think it's the city. Look, at any rate, somebody it. had an image of Cassian from that whole sequence, and he's got like a he's got like a leather book uh, fastened right here to his jacket, and somebody like zoomed in on it and said, that's Nemec's manifesto. Yeah, from the show, which then no shit. Somebody else debunked. They're like, "Well, there's not a paper copy of it." But then everyone's like, "It doesn't matter. This is headcanon now that he's carrying it around with him all the time." <laughs> which would be sweet if he like transcribed it or something because it got broken or like yeah. that. That could be yeah. a future thing. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, Jet- it's so Jetta good. City is on the desert moon of Jetha, so that's the, the desert moon of no Jetha. So yeah. it's just a moon. That's yeah. so sweet. That's the, the problem with a show Andor. like this is like when it's so good, I don't know what to even talk about because everything's good. 
Well, I think one of the things that I want to say is that, like, even with the the practical the practical sets and everything looking so great, this still even blows the special effects of a lot of shows out of the water. Like the moment when he's got to climb into the eye on uh, mm-hmm. Aldani, goosebumps for like the entire hour of the show. Like it, it's so it, it, it's incredible. It looks amazing. It's it's just visually arresting and absolutely goosebump inducing and there's so much going on in that entire heist and escape that they do um like uh, yeah i there's no no complaints from me on visual effects or you know how how practical everything is i don't i, I, don't think, I think you had, can... i don't remember if it was you alex that identified early on that they did use the volume when they made this but it was its involvement was massively reduced from other shows, and they also tried to blend it with like real, a ton of practical foreground elements and sets and stuff. And um, I just think that that's that's the way to do it. I mean, so much of the other Disney Plus Star Wars shows are they rely on that for everything, every scene, and it really just kind of starts to feel you feel it. Yeah, and I think some I definitely of the... felt it with Obi Wan and mm-hmm. uh, Mandalorian, both seasons of the Mandalorian. I think some of that is going to improve not only due to the reaction to Andor, but also just COVID. Like I think the volume made things easier in COVID because it was a little bit less. Like you could kind of yeah. keep things more contained, and everybody lives in the bubble and and whatnot. But um, you know, you don't have a whole city blocks worth of extras walking around like on Ferrix, that kind of thing. It's amazing. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think that was incredible. And then the other thing I wanted to say, Nick called me more of a Star Trek guy, which I think is true at heart. One of the things that I really loved and admire about Star Trek is how much it kind of a lot. It, it was an interesting science fiction tool that could be used to look at today's problems in a different lens as something that I think Gene Roddenberry Mm -hmm. really tried to do with the original series and, and the, the subsequent movies and shows and things like that. But for me, star Wars never fully got there. I think there was a lot to do with the colonization aspect of the empire that definitely comes into play here still today. And like the idea of the rebel forces in like the seventies, you'd be thinking a lot about things like Vietnam um, but I don't know. It's probably a little bit of where I am in my life now, but also I think Tony Gilroy is just a thousand times better at doing anything that George Lucas tried to do with the prequels in terms of just the politics of what is going on in the show. Yeah. Like, this is the rebir- the birth of the rebellion that, you know, in star Wars and like, you know, you s- see these special features of George Lucas being like, I was thinking about the war in Iraq, and it's like, dude, what are you even doing? Like, and yeah. like none of that really comes through. And, and <laughs> it's all stuff that either got colored in later by Dave Filoni or really by the fans that watched Dave Filoni's stuff. Uh, You're talking about, like, in regard to the prequels? Yes. Yeah. The war, okay. Yeah, yeah Clone and, and, Wars. Yeah, yes, the, the, clone, the Clone that. Wars and everything that happened with the Clone Wars and, and Palpatine's kind of ascent. But, like, I think Tony Gilroy's, like, lens in terms of looking at the Rebels and kind of the coalescence of the Rebel Alliance that is kind of happening in the show or is about to happen, I think, um, you know, and even really specifically, I'm thinking more about the prison on Narkina 5 and the idea of, like, forced labor and yeah. the the you know for profit prisons and people being uh, uh, incarcerated simply to use their 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 work as as uh, using them as labor like it's there's a Disney Plus show that deals with those topics and and it it does it really deftly and that's incredible to me and the idea that that medicine gets coated in the sugar of Star Wars I think is everything that we should be doing with shows like star Wars properties like star Wars. So yeah, Lucas, I think Lucas definitely laid the blueprint. I mean, the idea, yeah, the, I think the pro the issue, the larger issue is in the late seventies, nobody really in like mainstream movie going America was ready to acknowledge a lot of these problems. Because if you look at the, uh, makeup of the, all the Imperial officers and really everybody in the empire in the show, they're all white British men. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's clearly the the comment is there on imperialism and colonialism and uh, fascism. I mean, they're all goose stepping and wearing like Nazi reminiscent yeah. attire and stormtroopers. And yes, yeah. this is only 30 years after World War II back then, and like it, it was all there. But like you said, it was kind of sugar coated in the the fun of the classic hero's journey with Luke, and then you know the performances of Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher bringing so much charisma and like. You know, dressing it up and making it a fun time, but still having the template be there for somebody to pick up and run with a lot further. And, you know, I forgot the name of the race that uh, Mon Mothma references that's being, like, exterminated on another planet. She mentions it at their, like, dinner party and then again oh. in the Senate. And you know what I'm referring to at any rate. Like, the the backdrop for all the, the racial, uh, like extermination and stuff that the empire is capable of uh, and and goes and uh executes is already finding its way into the show which is cool um yeah i think that that it's tough because getting that kind of stuff out there is really critical now more than ever and um you know it's also in star wars so it's like tough because how many people are these messages falling on deaf ears on you know there are people that are mad like because luke skywalker isn't in this doesn't show up and you know whip a bunch of ass like in the Mandalorian. <laughs> like there's people that that's all they want out of Star Wars, and I guess I can't really fault that. But it's like science fiction. I mean, to Alex's point about Star Trek, it's it's it really ultimately I think it's best used when it's when it's you know it's written around issues that are are actually are currently or have faced or will face humanity, and. uh I don't know. It, the The show comes at a really critical time. I remember seeing it uh, right during the prison episodes when those were, were coming out. Somebody tweeted something like, I'm glad the Gilroy's are just straight up like the only reaction to oppression and fascism is violent revolution. <laughs> and like, that's the only option. There's no, there's no talking or there's no discussing it. There's no, uh, there's no treaties. There's no, you just, you stand up and you, you fight for, for what, you know, you deserve. And I just thought it was really funny. I'm like, yeah, that is kind of the message that they're sending. <laughs> But I think, it's not I the think wrong something one. something that like I really appreciated about this show is the villains are like there's more going on there. Like they really believe in their what they're doing. Like that guy really wants to catch Andor because he truly believes Andor is a horrible human. And I love that because the original Star Wars is very like black and white. Like, the villains are just, they're ugly and evil and terrible. <sighs> and I liked, and the blonde badass bitch in this, too, like, <laughs> she was very, there was a lot going on there than just her being like, you know, I'm going to get this guy. Huh? Yeah, yeah, they're true believers. They're the most dangerous thing. They, yeah. believe in the, they believe in the cause wholly. and. The show, it's interesting. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I remember thinking around episode four or five, whenever you meet Cyril Karn's mom and you see yeah. like what his life was like and you, st- I, I remember thinking for like a half a second, I'm like, oh, they're trying to make him sympathetic. I'm like, no, they're not. They're just trying to explain how, you know, uh, badness begets badness, basically how somebody so oppressive and controlling and nasty can just breed more of that in the world. I mean, and, I felt um, bad for him. I, I, you know, what I didn't feel. I thought bad he was gonna kill her for, <laughs> for sure. them living in that in that apartment, though. That apartment's amazing. We this would so cool. there. It's, it's so just, cool. Yeah, we and would that, thrive. That cereal was pretty good too. <laughs> I remember well, thinking that, how cool their their uh, dining room table was mm-hmm. because I'm like, I, I said, I know why they made it this way because they could all the all the cinematography in the show is amazing, but the fact that they could shoot through it, you could see you could see them in profile perfectly and then still see the kitchen. It was like a freestanding structure. I said, I understand they made this set. I'm sure partially to be practically so they could shoot that way, but the design choice was so amazing. I just thought it, yeah, yeah I, I, in a complete agreement with you guys, that, <laughs> that apartment was stunning. It was so well, yeah, cool. And that, that's, it's funny because there t- I think uh, on, on in our subreddit, uh, Tim had mentioned like there's only so many times I can see that 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 poor boy eating a cereal at the at the thing, at the <laughs> dining table, and I was like, it was beautiful every time you see it. Like it's always like super well shot and like yep, interestingly and so composed. tense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I I was down to see uh, his his oppressive mother. God. You know, 
just well, when you see that full he, revertigo <laughs> he is truly but. the complete inverse of cassian like in terms of his upbringing and his parental relationship mm-hmm. and yeah, his, be- his belief system oh. he's like a total mirror to him and i i can't wait to see more of him and um i'm blanking on her name the imperial officer dedra miro dedra miro that's right yeah same thing like she's so good she's amazing she's yeah. and that's the other thing i think i told you this brian but i appreciate <laughs> the casting because they're not just casting these hot bitches it's like She's a bad bitch, but, like, there's a lot more depth to her than just, like, a pretty face. There's so much more going on. And oh, I her, appreciate that so much. Her performance uh, across the board is so good, but the scene right in the finale when when he saves her and she does yeah. not literally does not know how to react to him, it's, like, yeah. a mix of relief and revulsion and disgust <laughs> and, like, terror. It's... Yeah. The number of looks that went through her face, I was like, oh, my God, I can't move my face that much in the yeah. span of time all she he did. Wants, he just wants to smash and kill Cassie, and that's all he wants. He's like, he's like ready to roll with her, man. Yeah, it's so creepy. <laughs> it is super creepy, yeah. <laughs> the, he's, yeah, the 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 incelousness of of him ugh, is, is very Norman like, Norm, big Norman Bates energy coming absolutely. off him yes yeah, absolutely yeah. oh god oh we got to talk about Stellan Skarsgård too because oh please <laughs> where do we begin what a he's one of those actors he belongs in the same camp for me as Tom Hanks where I see him and I'm like great. Oh boy, here he is again. He's got to be in everything. We need a we need a guy to. It's just going to be him. They go to the file cabinet. They pull the very first folder. Oh, Stellan, yep. he'll be perfect. Yep. And then and then he just disappears into the role and yeah. just absolutely crushes it. And I'm left going, shit. Like the guy is so. It's like same with Tom Hanks. I say it every time. Every time yeah. new time. I'm like, oh fuck, Tom Hanks, great. Even though I love him, and then by the end of whatever movie it is, I'm like, well, holy shit, give him another Oscar. Like, the guy just... <laughs> I haven't seen Elvis, so I don't know for sure. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> but Stellan, yeah. it, Stellan rules in this so hard. The the amount of... I think there's several people in the show, and I have to think about it, but I think there are several instances in the show where you see people... A lot of it happens on Coruscant, <clears throat> where you see people and their facades... And watching people like Stellan Skarsgård and Genevieve O'Reilly, who plays Mon Mothma, kind of move back and forth between these like mm-hmm. open, open um, personalities. They're like, uh, uh, you know, they're Coruscant going. Uh, I'm I'm rich and I'm a senator, or I own my yeah. curiosity. Yeah, the, the elite people, and then the the ones who really care about the rebellion. It's kind of. <laughs> watching both of them do that stuff was incredible on the show. Just kind of like it. A lot of it isn't even in the script. It's just them, you know, watching him put on his wig before he walks back into his shop and stuff like that. It's just very, 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 very good. And, and it's, you know, Stellan Skarsgård does a great job with it. His right hand woman was really fucking cool too. Mm -hmm. I don't remember her name, but I loved her vibe too. it's it's like Layla or something because a lot of speculation was that she was Leia, yeah. uh, in like a uh, li- living under an assumed identity, which would be kind of cool actually. She did yeah. kind of look she like the part. The, yeah. yes. she looked like the Princess Leia actress from Boba or not uh, for, from Obi Wan. That's what. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd be down if they roped Leia into it in next season a little bit, like in a supporting role and just. You know, don't worry about doing any deep fake shit or casting Billy Lord or whatever. Just like cast somebody and like just roll with it. Because seeing Leia rise to prominence as like a a rebel figure and use and, and operating the same way as kind of um, Mon Mothma and her her cousin um, using their wealth and their status and their yeah. power to you know bring Bale back into a man, get Jimmy Smith back on the payroll. Let's uh, let's make it hot. Absolutely. I am excited to see the continue to dive into the the deep, dark, tangled webs of, you know, intrigue and and espionage that I'm sure we're getting. Because now that Cassian's full on, like, you know, take me in and and teach me the ways and, you know, let's let's do this thing. I'm 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 super excited for it. The the scene of uh, of 
the uh, Empire plant coming to see or meeting with Luthen uh, when he's coming down the mm-hmm. elevator and he puts in the Bluetooth and oh yeah, you got Stellan Skarsgård in your ear threatening your family and uh, like it that entire monologue incredible. John, you mentioned that the monologues in Andor are fucking amazing. They're, They're great, phenomenal. Every Not only well written, also amazingly performed by everybody mm-hmm. um yeah what yeah. a testament too to stone like it's just his voice for you know 90 percent of that monologue and the delivery alone countered with the reaction of the man who played the the plant like that's that's s-tier stuff man yeah uh clea is the name of his right-hand woman clea is it? yeah clea <laughs> interesting yeah yeah, yeah, um, really, really, really cool. hit that one. No. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's the thing. It, like everybody trying to pull the show apart and be like, Luthen was a Jedi, and that might yeah. be Leia, and like they're just grasping at those straws of like. I almost kind of hope that I generally don't want show creators to be that reactionary to their audiences, but I kind yeah. of hope that Tony Gilroy seeing all these tweets and being like, he is no longer a Jedi, she is no longer Leia, like when yeah. No, none of that tissue that you wanted to be there is there, and the show just stands on its own because it's that fucking great. Yeah, like, I think you know. I'll be disappointed if Luthen is a Jedi. That'd be a bummer. I yeah, say, I don't want to see a Jedi in this at all. Yeah, no way, man. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Like, even if he, even if they wanted to be like, yes, he was a Jedi, but like, clearly he's not anymore. Like, if he right. never pulls out a lightsaber, sweet, I'm, I'm down. It's fine. I don't need to see that. Um, it would I would undermine a lot of it for me because I think his his innate powers of persuasion and manipulation should be just uh, a result of who he is, not any sort of training his or Jedi mind tricks. Exactly, yeah, his intelligence, <laughs> yeah, his, his, charisma. his sharp Stalin. tongue, man. Like he just knows how to use it, you know. Yeah. Um, I have. Some, it was some... the, the only Jedi like uh, 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 Reva was that her name from Obi Wan. Yeah. Like the yeah. former, yeah, that was, I liked that a lot. Like she was a Jedi, but then like turned and kind of still had like that kind of ancillary Jedi character I thought was really neat. That was, that was something that was interesting to me, but I don't, I don't think this is the corner of the universe for it. This is all the, you know, the shit that happens behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That's the whole uh, point. That's what, that's what, that's what makes the whole magnitude of Rogue One and, and Cassian Andor's whole character so special is like he's an unsung hero really like the only reason that luke got to blow up the death star and save the day is because of everything that we're seeing now that came before it that paved the way like that's to me like storytelling wise but also extrapolating that into real life like that's the stuff that matters you know you think about this is a a a bad but maybe timely example of like every everyone for a long time there's at least these these sweaty bros that champion Elon Musk as like the savior of mankind. And it's like, he's just a figurehead at the top. He's not the one getting any shit done. Really. It's like how, how many of the labors of how many untold thousands of people are what makes big things possible. And having a franchise as enormous and beloved as star Wars being, you know, embracing that and kind of running with that as a story mechanism, I think it's just incredible. Under Disney, <laughs> right? It's kind of insane. Tony Gilroy, you know, better be sitting back and just like he's sipping a nice scotch and be like, "Yeah," <laughs> and um, no one's caught on yet. <laughs> yeah, wanted to touch on a couple more actors. Nick, I got a text from you uh, that just said, "Oh, the circus is in town." Because I, <laughs> I was two seconds away from being like, "When are we going to talk about Andy Circus?" Yes, Amazing. Andy Circus is almost in that same camp that you were saying, like Stellan. Where to me, it's kind of like, of course, Andy Sir- like Andy Circus would do that, which is weird because you know him more of like he's only starting now to get a little bit more of the like. I will see Andy Circus's actual face and not some sort of CG creation. Wait, that's oh, what yeah. he looks like. Yes, if, exactly. If you, <laughs> yeah, if you, you you're want. Like, you hear his name is on a movie, and you're like, "Okay, what kind of fucking goblin is he? What creature time? is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what like Doug Jones, right? You expect yeah. he's going to be yeah. really ugly or something, but he's like a cool dude with a beard and stuff. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he's Listen, awesome looking. 
if you want to watch a very lovely film, I highly recommend 13 Going, 13 going on 30. Absolutely. He's fucking Absolutely. in it. He's Absolutely. fucking in it, and he fucking kills it. He's great. He's <laughs> great in that movie. Absolutely. And that's a great movie. The Thriller Dance. Just Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. I don't um, watch it already. You know, Loy and his arc, great. Just incredible. Oh, how the heartbreaking prison. at the end. Absolutely. I've, I've never been more beside myself in that moment. Mm-hmm. I just, but it was such it, a sucker punch. It, it is, but it's also like, God, it's so genius because it's really sad. I mean, it's a huge emotional gut punch because this character goes through this amazing three episode arc and delivers probably the best line of the whole series when he says I no more than 12 swim. at a time. It's so good. And then, yeah, then you gave it that. It's so sad. It's really funny <laughs> because it's like <laughs> the worst possible thing that could happen. To, oh, wow. Cool. I could I can lead an armed insurrection as prison, but I can't swim. Yeah. But and Andor third, doesn't say can't even say bye because he gets pushed you off. Just gotta, exactly. And then oh. thirdly, it's it's genius because it, again, reinforces that whole idea of like he's there to give Cassian you know, the, the boost that he needs to get out and further his journey. Like he's just, he's a helper along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's so good. It's On so a good. different level. It reinforces <clears throat> a belief I have that everyone should learn how to swim because you never know when you might actually have to, to save your life. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he Very said true. that to me right after the episode, he was like, you need to know how to fucking swim, Erica. In case you you get imprisoned on Narkina and forced to make Death Star parts, you need to know. Yeah, like, did he not remember on the plane in all the water that was around the the prison? Anyway. Man, that whole whole one-way-out sequence is just just stunning. It's incredible. Like, I think that that episode of the show is more deserving than anything that's going to get a fucking Emmy yeah. this year. Like, it's yeah. just so good. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be pleas- literally, pleasantly surprised if there's Emmy nominations for the show. But ne- Never in a million years would I have thought I would be on the edge of my seat for an episode of a Star Wars TV show, but I literally <laughs> was, like, on yeah. the edge of my seat, like, like elbows on my knees, like... Yeah. This like yeah. head in my hands watching that whole entire episode. That one in in the heist episode is the same thing. Like I was literally mm-hmm. just like glued to the screen. Oh god, yeah. You know, I wasn't picking up my phone to check anything during the long dialogue stuff. Like I was stuck in it the entire time, you know? Like that's I it was just so so well done. And again, like yeah. his the the monologue, you know, his speech that he gives is mm-hmm. yeah, is fantastic. Like so many monologues. All of the Absolutely. monologues. We'll speak yeah, about one I more, didn't really think about it. One more monologue from Fiona Shaw, who played Marva, uh, becoming the, the mother of the rebellion, I think. Mm. Um, it was interesting, because I thought it kind of sucked that her death was just kind of off screen, but in the end, like the, the massive hologram giving the speech to the, the entire planet was, was a really yeah. incredible final scene for her, pretty much. Um, yeah. Her, her voice was fucker more fucker who kicks over B2 Emo. Just, yeah, what a piece of shit, man. Yeah, that guy fucking... I hope he was, like, right next to the fucking box full of grenades that got the, the bomb into it. Um, yeah, but, I don't think it went well for him. No. <laughs> I want to 3D print little B2 Emo, like, night lights that have, like, a... Like, you can put a little LED diode at the top <laughs> that just glows out of it like that. It doesn't have to project anything, but it'd be cool if it did. But I just... I think that would be super cool. That'd be pretty rad. There's got to be some B2 emo models up out there on Thingiverse. I'll go look it up right now. But <laughs> um, <clears throat> I did see somebody, uh, of course, nitpicking that scene and saying, it's so dumb that they all just stand there and let her basically incite a riot and, like, you know, throw throw fuel on the fire of the spark. Uh, somebody And uh, before I could even bother to construct a reply in my own head, I saw somebody say, that's because they're all as enraptured by what she's saying as the natives of Ferrix are. Like, they're standing there listening because it's so compelling. And what she's saying is striking a chord in, every, in the humanity that's left in everybody. It takes that one true believer, extra shitty, you know, officer to kind of kick it over and, and break the spell for everybody to kind of snap out of it. And I thought, yeah, I, I buy into that completely. It's It's so good. I mean, how can you... 
How can you hear that and not think twice about what you're doing, you know? Well, even Karn and Mosk are, like, enraptured by the message until he sees Dedra, like, running around <sighs> trying to find Andor. So it's, you, you can, yeah, you can see the effectiveness of her. Yeah. Oh, her that's, speech. That's a great scene. I also, uh, 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 what's his name? His big buddy, Brasso? Oh, yes. yeah. What was, yeah. Man, he rocks. That guy's mm-hmm. cool as shit. Good yeah. friend. I hope. Yeah, he is so, like, that actor just has the look. That guy's cool looking. Like, I was like, I want to see more of that dude. He looks like a, <laughs> like a giant version of, like, John Hamm crossed with, like, somebody else. Like, he just is a cool, uh, is um, an in- Fucking, uh, 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 basketball and, and, uh, they came together. Uh, Ken Marino? You know, yes, Ken Marino. Yes. He's Ken Marino. <laughs> a little, a little a bit. bit. Yeah, Ken a little bit. Yes. <laughs> hmm. He's just a compelling looking, interesting looking actor. And I was like, cool. I, this show, like you were saying, Erica, like they're, they're kind of, they've got interesting looking people that aren't just like cookie cutter models. Like, they look like real people. Yeah. And they're just, yeah, he was it's super refreshing. compelling, really compelling performance. Uh, and, uh, and I'm so bad with names of all these characters and all these planets. What's his, um, his ex's name? Bix. Bix Colleen. Bix. Bix and her boyfriend. Tim, I don't remember his name either. <laughs> R.A.P. <laughs> yeah, they were both so good I too. I like, remember these yeah. names. I can't remember Ken Marino. Give me Star Wars, fucking Keith Gergo. I'll pull that out of my ass. But this Ken is Marino. just fresher. That's all. <laughs> yeah, it I just guess. means we need to get Ken Marino into a, a Star War. <laughs> That'd be yes, so please. good. Yes, please. But yeah, they they were all Directed so by good. Lane. And I, <laughs> well, I I don't know that I, I honestly don't know if we'll ever if we'll see those guys again. Like yeah. in season two, because it's clear that Cassian's like sending them off to be happy, hopefully, and, and live somewhere. I don't know if we'll see B2 emo, if we'll see any of them again. And honestly, it might be, it might make more sense to not, you know? I kind I of almost yeah. wish they'll be in like an epilogue. Where yeah. they maybe find yeah. out what his sacrifice was in terms of getting the Death Star plans. Uh, oh, that'd know. be kind of cool, actually. But that's well, just, I think like, that- she's, I mean, good luck to her. Talk about needing oh, trauma therapy. God, that She's was fucked. rough. That was bad. Well, and the that way was, they like, did lost. that shit, where you don't actually hear whatever the mm-hmm. torturous sound would be, uh, yeah. was great. That restraint in terms of making the choice to just drop out all the sound and let yeah. the horror, let yourself fill in the horror was, was really yeah. great. It's probably yeah. just a really terrible song. <laughs> probably. <laughs> what song? They're, sing- they're singing Hawthorne Heights, I think. It's, is actually it's half of the ones right, I hear right, every time yeah. I go grocery Ohio shopping. Ohio is for lovers. <laughs> we need to photo. We need to. We need to make that that video for Gojo just so we can. <laughs> we have a running joke in our. Uh, everyone has that one song that makes you know when it comes on the radio, you will just like crash your car trying to, to hit the button and turn it off because you hate it so much. And that for Gojo, that's Ragdoll. It like just drives him up the wall i've seen it in action it's crazy he has a physical reaction to that song <laughs> but it's it's fun because his like he acknowledges the catchiness of the melody but how lazy these it's, the song it's an earworm yeah yeah yeah, that's, yeah very good the funniest part about all that like he's been saying this for so long that i'm i'm used to it but then i i remember i posed the question once there were a couple of us hanging out and this is the kind of thing that if someone asked me i have to kind of think you know what i mean because it's not mm-hmm. that's me i mean i think Tim just immediately blurted out, tempted by the fruit of another. And it just, it was right there. He knew exactly his answer. And I thought, that's a great answer. <laughs> and I'm, I was glad that he knew. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of music, uh, though, the, sc- uh, the last thing I really want to say is the score for the show is incredible. Every oh, single yeah, yeah. motif, every single theme. It's just nuts well, liked- how good the music is in this. I liked how Marva's Funeral March is the theme for the show, and I liked how yeah. in every episode the theme, the <laughs> instrumentation for the theme was different. Um, mm-hmm. That shit's really incredible. Nicholas Patel did the did the score, does incredible work on on Succession for HBO as well. But, oh, um, yeah, uh, and they're two very different modes. Absolutely, Succession is very much like classical based, and uh, you know, and this is this isn't. I mean, it's a little Williams inspired in a lot of ways, but it feels very new and different compared to a lot of what we've gotten oh, from yeah. Star Wars stuff. So, uh, especially it makes me 
optimistic for the future of Star Wars music being done by people other than John Williams. Yeah. Michael Michael <laughs> Giacchino has done a lot of stuff, but it's all very Williams emulative kind of like... I think he did Rogue One, didn't he? He did. He did. Um, yeah, that's a great one, too. That theme that plays during the whole final, like, Cassian and Jin uh, heading to, like, the beach uh, mm-hmm. to basically know that they're going to die is... Uh, that whole sequence, the music is incredible. It's a lot like Lost, and I think Chiaquino was like the composer for Lost. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, he's um, a he's a he's a stud. And yes, the the space. Oh, and he directed. Uh, <laughs> I just looking up on IMDb. He directed Werewolf by Night. <laughs> he did. He did. Yeah, <laughs> rock that rocks. Um, but yeah, no, there's twelve more episodes of Andor coming, which is great. A second season, and that's yeah. And they had that. They had that on the planned before this one even hit. Disney Plus, which I was like, well, that's a good sign. Oh, that I is. Tony good. Gilroy is the kind of man where he's like, we need to let's let's hammer it out, and we're gonna do it, and that's what it is, uh, and I can absolutely respect that. Um, uh, and I'm excited. Like the, some of the shittiness from the fan base aside, of like you know, not enough lightsabers and Jedi and shit. I'm glad that this is it's going to get that second season regardless. It sounds like, which Mm -hmm. is very good. And I think the critical response has been so good that there's no way that they wouldn't, you know, want to continue it. Even if some of the star Wars pushback, um, has been loud. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. The interesting thing to me is that it feels almost like a little bit of a, a little bit of a, uh, I don't know. Disney kind of it's it's allowing something of the pieces of the last Jedi to kind of live on in terms of like Star Wars can be good and it's not just Skywalkers you know totally so I'm I'm excited for that uh, from from Andor season two at least no no word on when it'll be here I expect it'll be a little while but I'm excited for more and hopefully we can reassemble this rebel alliance and discuss it in the future. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, yeah, likewise. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that was worth noting. I mean, there's so much that's good about the show. I'm excited for it. like, it, it's sad. Like that. I I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to look at more Tony Gilroy shit. I'm going to watch Michael Clayton next week. Cause I don't have any. Nice. I've never so. seen that. I, what is this? I haven't seen Liam that Neeson, either. Liam Neeson, right? No, it's Liam Neeson. Um, Clooney. Oh, George it's Clooney? Clooney. Yes, George Clooney is. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and you know the Born trilogy. <clears throat> for, he wrote those at least. He really? That was Born. That was Paul Greengrass. Yeah. Oh. That's Tony Gilroy. He did direct the Born Legacy, but that movie fucking blows. So don't. Uh, oh. Don't watch that one. But the other. Oh, I've heard movies. State of Play is really good. I didn't State know he of Play wrote that. is Ben Affleck in it. He is. Oh, yes. I was joking. It seems <laughs> like is. he would be in that. <laughs> he seems like he would stay to play. That is correct. State of Play. Him and Russell Crowe. I remember when they came out. I heard it was really good. Oh, I don't want to watch that. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm out. I think I watched that a long time ago when it was in R3 at Family Video. And, uh, yeah, was, that sounds about right. It, I don't. I was not in a place to enjoy anything that Tony Gilroy would really have a hand in at that point. I time. think Dan Dan Gilroy's his brother, right? Who directed yes. Nightcrawler and yep. Tony co-wrote oh, it. Oh, I love Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. <gasps> that was a pretty good. wild movie. Oh, it's like yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's I like finest. Kurt Wagner, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's where my brain always goes, John. <laughs> Kurt Wagner's a Nightcrawler. <laughs> oh man, Dan Gilroy's got some great credits too. He wrote Kong Skull Island. I am oh, so that was the other thing I was going to say. The Munich Circus. Uh, <laughs> Andor, like, cool. t- Tony Gilroy and, and Andor was able to pull on someone like Bo, Bo Williman, who is a cre- the the creator of the American House of Cards, as a writer for three episodes of the show. He's just a staff writer on the show, even though he created one of the biggest like TV shows of the streaming era. I think that's a testament to the the talent and the skill of Tony Gilroy and the people, the creative team behind Andor. So, uh, wow. yeah, it's cool when you just like hire really talented people that aren't necessarily super attached to the 
source material. I think like, that's I better in a way. Yeah, it's cer- I certainly like it better. I mean, I, I don't want to take away from a guy like Dave Filoni, who clearly is so passionate about Star Wars and just lives, breathes, dies Star Wars. But it, you know, when, when you hire guys like that, you just, you kind of are going to get the ultimate kind of fan service stuff all the time. And yeah. it's not always bad, but sometimes it's just kind of tired, you know? Yeah. You it's need like, like a different at- point of view, <clears throat> a different perspective, a different kind of story to keep the, tr- like the whole thing alive. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because Ryan Johnson is somebody who like probably owes a lot of his movie career to being a fan of Star Wars as a kid, but yet he was still willing to push it into interesting places. It's like you can do both, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like I don't know much about how Tony Gilroy felt about Star Wars, but given his like track record with things, you didn't necessarily think of him as like someone who would be chomping at the bit to make a Star Wars thing. Um. And the fact that he came in to work on Rogue One after Gareth uh, Edwards. That's the right Gareth, right, Nick? It's either Evans or Edwards. I think it was Edwards. Can you hear me? <laughs> Nick? Are you there, He's Nick? He's gone to the other dimension called Technical Difficulties. He's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm not like super super into it and i felt like i really enjoyed andor and maybe i have an advantage because i'm not nitpicking the fucking brick yeah no i and that you know well but i'm also like i like star wars we all like a lot of us here like star wars and we're not like i think you can still respect something for how good it is and not be like oh you know there's screws in the show (laughs) so It'd be really hard to build shit without screws. <laughs> I don't think that's very yeah, advanced. Yeah, but you think either. they would like evolve beyond the Phillips head? You know, like, oh. yeah, we already have. It's called those stupid torques. A security bit. Uh, yeah, the triangle ones that Nintendo uses. Yeah, they'd probably those. just use the uh, Imperial insignia as like the. That's the Torx bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I can't right. tell well, if Nick can hear. Yeah, I think Nick has lost us. He's texting me right now, I think, probably. But anyway. I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> it's just funny to watch him. Well, He's I probably think we super frustrated anyways. right now. I think uh-huh. we can wrap up the, the Andor talk here. Yeah. Um, we can wrap it up by saying that Star Wars Jedi Survivor has been announced for May 15th of 2023. May, I'm sorry, March, March 16th. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. March 16th, 2023. And they're going to do a preview at the Game Awards this Thursday. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yep. And Brian won't be able to see the preview until afterwards because yeah. he's too busy being being a weeb over at the Royal, at the at the Imagine Theater going to see and Evangelion like a not nerd. winning a Steam Deck. You might still win a Steam Deck. I don't know if you have to actually you watch have to, be to win it. it. Really? What do you yeah. what do you like? Respond in the Twitch chat, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's here." Gabe no, gonna, no, you <laughs> have to you know have to whether give, you're logged in or not. Is he going to make give, me watch it? Gabe, Gabe yeah, Gaben's gonna teleport to everyone's like home address and like drop it off like that moment. He's got he's, he's gonna, gonna he's gonna do he's gonna do like two hundred something teleportations. By the end of the night, he will uh he'll be dead. <laughs> from all, all right, teleporting. Anyway, that's it about that's Andor. enough side quest we'll for now. Okay, see you guys next time. Peace. Bye.